are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. I take off my watch because my class tells me that I'm sometimes long-winded. But I'm here as a fill-in, and I am not pastor. So we, we've, we've uh, discussed that before. There's a difference between a pastor and a minister. I am a minister of God, but I'm not a pastor. Um, I want to point out something in the... Uh, the worship guide before we get started. And it has in there testimonies coming soon. How I came to faith in Jesus Christ. We'd love to hear your story. Now, what, what the vision is, is that when we talk about evangelism, one of the greatest tools of evangelism is our own story, uh, how we came to salvation. And so before the preacher gets up, this is coming soon, before the preacher gets up to speak or to preach, we're going to have individuals who volunteer, all except the deacons, they didn't volunteer. All who volunteer will be on the list, and for two minutes, now, you should be able to give your testimony in 30 seconds, 90 seconds, but I'm giving you two minutes to give your story as to how you came to believe that Jesus Christ was your Savior. That's your testimony. Now, if you're thinking, I don't know what my testimony is, then that's an issue. Because the greatest way for you to tell somebody how they can be saved is to demonstrate or profess to them your own salvation. So the deacons will be first. All the deacons will come up and give you their testimony as to how they came to believe in Jesus Christ. So hopefully that'll motivate people that never have written down their story or shared their story they will be able to write it down so they can give their testimony in two minutes or less. And if you don't have a testimony, come talk to me later. Make sense? Make sense? All right. Again, I'm here as a fill-in. The gentleman that was supposed to be here uh, contacted the virus. And not only did he contact the virus, he took the virus home and infected his whole family. I don't remember his name, but he's a young man that was scheduled, but he had the, the love enough so that he informed us ahead of time so that he wouldn't infect all of us. So I thank him for that. And we continue to pray for him and his family. So, let me pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for this preaching opportunity.
Lord, you've called me to preach. You've gifted me to preach. And you've given me some things over the past week that I want to share with the congregation. But Lord, I want it to be none of me and all of thee. Use me for your glory so that your people might be lifted up. So Lord, as we go, continue to, to empower me with the presence of the Holy Spirit so that I can speak your truth and open up the ears of these, your people, so that that might receive the understanding that only comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be before I go into to the text, you know, oftentimes I'm, I'm really excited when, when, uh, when God give, gives me confirmation and I'm kind of on the right track. And he gave that to me this morning in the, the Bible study lesson that we have. Now, we're, we're still a week behind. Um, I think we're all over the place in the church and our Bible studies in the old book and the new book and different dates and all of that stuff. But the lesson that we had today, it was all about truth. And the theme of the lesson was truth. Truth is found in Jesus Christ alone. Truth is found in Jesus Christ alone. And he went on to say that 40% that, that of Americans believe that FDA, Federal Drug Administration, is withholding natural cures for cancer. 40%. 27% of Americans believe America is hiding aliens in Area 51. Twenty-three percent of Americans believe that 9-11 was an inside job. Nineteen percent of Americans believe the government is using chemicals to control the population. And these are all uh, research that has been done as to, and I have those things here if you want to get them later, I have them. But truth is found in Jesus alone. John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So God wants to talk to us this morning. This Bible is a Jesus book. From Genesis to the book of the Revelation, it's about Jesus. We have God the Father, 
God the Holy Spirit, but in the middle we have God the Son. Jesus is the one who is our connection. Without Jesus, there is no relationship with the Father because our sins separate us. God the Father said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of good and evil, don't eat or you will surely die. And we know what happened. Adam and Eve didn't obey. Sin entered the world. And we are all born sinners through that bloodline. Which is why we sing all the songs about the blood of Jesus. We are born in need of a spiritual transfusion. What can wash away my sin? Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And as that story goes on in, in the, uh, Genesis, Adam and Eve, because they had this, this knowledge now, they knew that they were naked. And in verse 21, it says that God made them coats of skin and clothed them. Which points to that first sacrifice. Which points to Jesus Christ, our perfect sacrifice. We have um, in the Bible, again, I'm, 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 I've said that this is a Jesus book. It's all about Jesus. So even when we go to the Old Testament, it's about Jesus. Jesus Jesus told the religious leaders in the book of John, John 5, 39. He says, you search the scriptures, speaking of the Old Testament, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But the scriptures testify of me. 
That's what Jesus said. So, so in, the, in the study of the Old Testament, the first thing we have to do is look for Jesus. And this is how I tell people to study the Bible. If you're studying Old Testament scripture, where is Jesus? You're going to see Jesus in, in, in a, a, a salvation story. You're going to see Jesus in a, a love story. You're going to see Jesus in a fellowship story. But you have to be looking for him to find him. So, so what am I talking about? In the Bible, we have what is called theophanies. We have angelophanies. And we have Christophanies. These are appearances of God, of angels, of Christ in the Old Testament. You read throughout scripture where God appeared. God appeared. God spoke to so-and-so. God appeared. I think probably the most famous Christophany showing of, of Jesus in the Old Testament is the burning bush. If you read that account of the burning bush, when Moses was called up to the mountain because he saw this, this bush burning that was never consumed, so he went up there and God spoke. Moses, take your shoes. I'm paraphrasing. Moses, take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. And he commanded Pharaoh commanded Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses said, who am I? Nobody's going to listen to me. Who, who, who should I tell him that sent me? And the reply was, I am who I am. Tell them, I am have sent you. So where is Jesus? Jesus is speaking from the bush. In John 8.58, John 8.58, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, religious leaders, and they're talking about Abraham's well. And so one of, the, one of these folks says, are you saying that you're greater than our father Abraham? You're not even 50 years old yet. And Jesus' reply was, before Abraham was, I am. I am. So just as Jesus in the Old Testament in the burning bush sent Moses 
to free his people. A type of Jesus Christ who comes in this New Testament age to free all who believe. So when you, when you see the Old Testament, look for Jesus because he's there. His character, his love, his understanding, his blessings, they're all there if we learn how to look for him. There's another one where, where, where it talks about how, how Jacob wrestled with God. You know, some of us today, we wrestle with this concept of salvation. We wrestle with it. You know, is a gift? You mean I don't have to do nothing? Oh, that's, that can't be right. I got to do something. I got to go door to door and, and, and hand out my literature or something. I got to do something. Salvation just can't be free. And like I shared for the last couple of weeks, with the Sunday school class is that that's how we end up with all these false religions because people think they got to do something. The only thing that keeps people out, keeps people out of the kingdom of God is unbelief. That's it. You have heard the gospel message, how Jesus came from glory, how he voluntarily went to the cross on your behalf and my behalf, how he died on that cross. And on the third day, he rose with all power in his hands. That's the gospel. And the only way you stay out of the kingdom of God is that you refuse to believe it. That you're a sinner in need of a savior, understanding that Jesus is a savior, and all you have to do is invite him into your heart and your life. And you refuse to believe it, and that's the only thing that keeps you out of the kingdom of God. That's why your testimony is so important. I was a sinner in need of a savior. And now I'm in church trying to understand what thus says the Lord. And in between is Jesus Christ who finished the work on Calvary. So now having said all of that, Let's go to our text. Second Corinthians, I'm the Second Chronicles. Old Testament. So I kind of started thinking about this message as I started thinking about um know the, the prayer service that we have um, after service each Sunday. Second Chronicles, seventh chapter. 
verses 14 through 16. Now, this is from New American Standard Version. But I like King James because the first word, it says, and. But in between the and and the my, there's an if. There's an if. And, and basically, when, when you study scripture, when you look at God's word, there are blessings. We know that God is a blessing God. We're all here because God blessed us this morning to, to wake us up and put us in our right frame of mind to come here today to learn about him. God did that. But some blessings are conditional. Meaning that God says, if, if you do this, then I'll do this. God still blesses obedience. Okay? God still blesses obedience. So 2 Chronicle 7, 14 through 16. And I'll put the if in there from King James. It says, and if, stand out of reverence to God's word if you're able. And that's why we stand. That's why we stand. In the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah opened up the book of God, everybody stood up. So we stand if we're able out of reverence to God's word. And if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, will heal their land. Or if I send, let me see. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. You may be seated. We're going to break down that, that, that scripture right there. This is one where I believe that Jesus is speaking to us in the Old Testament. But if you're not looking for Jesus, as you study the Old Testament, you won't see him. What did he say? You search the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life. But the scriptures testify of me. Conditional blessing. My people, that's us. See, we scripture tells us that we have been grafted in, grafted into the vine. New Testament. Ye are the branches. I am the vine. We've been grafted in. 
That's why he says, my people. Christians are the people of God. There used to be a wall that separated us. When they built the temple, there was a wall separating the the Jews from the Gentiles. We're all in this together now. Nobody comes to the kingdom except through Jesus Christ. Whether you're Gentile, whether you're Jew, whether you're black, whether you're white, bond free, male, female, we all come the same way. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's how we get in. If my people if my people who are called by my name who are the people called by Jesus' name? The Bible says we was first called Christians at Antioch. That's what the Bible says. The root word of Christian is Christ. We are the people called by his name. If we would humble ourselves, understand that we have no power outside of the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. What did Jesus say? I have all power. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All. That's a simple word. If he says all, that means there's no power for anybody else. But through our salvation experience, he indwells us with that power. The Holy Spirit. Once we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he seals us. He seals us with the Holy Spirit. Now, how can you tell if you got the Holy Spirit? I tell you, one of the ways that you can tell is if you can understand what I'm talking about, you have the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says the natural man in our natural sin nature We can't understand spiritual things because they're spiritually understood. So if you understand what I'm talking about today, you have, that's confirmation that you have the Holy Spirit. Because the natural man, a man that's in his sin nature, can't understand spiritual things. Can't understand them because they're spiritually understood. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble themselves, understanding that that everything comes through God. Everything comes through God. You you can't say that, okay, you 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 have all of this this stuff that you, that you're so gifted on your job that People pay you a lot of money. All that comes through God. You just haven't acknowledged it yet. Because it can all go away. 
even our lives can just go away. Life comes through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus only, because that mess is out there, too. That Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, Jesus is the Holy Spirit. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We believe in a trinity, a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they are united in essence, in being. There's only three that have the essence or nature of God. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is one of our pillars of Christian faith. You can't be a Christian without believing in the Trinity. I don't know what you are. These are things we must agree on. These are the pillars of our faith. The Trinity, the virgin birth, Jesus is coming back. Those are pillars. There's probably about seven more. Those are the pillars. Everybody else then got caught up in conspiracies and all this other kind of stuff that's out there. If my people who are called by my name will own themselves and pray and pray. Praying is firing the winning shot. This is what we do on Sundays after service. We confess to God that, that we don't know what's going to happen. But we're trusting that he will hear us, see us, and take care of us because he's able. We don't know who the next pastor is going to be, but he does. But whoever God decides is going to be our pastor is going to be good. Because God chooses pastors after his own heart. That's what we have to remember. That's what we have to know. Now, is he going to be perfect? No, because none of us are perfect. But in that, we have to give him the ability and the opportunity to grow. That's what we're all doing. God left us here so that we can grow, so that we could be his witness. We can't witness to nothing if we don't know nothing. So God has given us the Holy Spirit to teach us so that we can be witnesses, witnesses of truth. Not false witnesses, but witnesses of truth. Romans 8th chapter talks about God's purpose. And that purpose is to conform us, conform us into the image of his son. So what does that mean? That means day by day, week by week, month by month, 
year by year, we should all be more conforming to Jesus' truth, to what Jesus says, to how Jesus acted, how he carried himself. We should be growing. So, so how can we read that in Scripture and say that doesn't apply to the pastor? Oh, he should have already been grown. He up here. No, that's not Scripture. We're all in the same boat. Whether we're up here or down there, we're all in the same boat. Ain't no big eyes and little U's. So prayer also solidifies our relationship with God. How do we expect to have a relationship with God if we're not speaking to God? I think Pastor Dean, a few Sundays before he left, he, he laid out, uh, I don't, what, what do I want to call this? It's not a formula but maybe a pattern for prayer. And he mentioned Acts, the book of Acts. So when we pray, A, acknowledge who God is, that he's the sovereign God in control of everything, the God that brought salvation our way, through the obedience of his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross in our place, acknowledge who he is. Then the confessing. Confessing the sins, that, the mistakes that we've made, the mistakes that we make each and every day. The Bible says we sin daily. So don't think you ain't sinned. We sin daily, either in thought or in deed. And then the T, thank them, thanksgiving. God, is you that woke me up this morning. I thank you for that. It's you that brought me a mighty long way. Thank you for that. It's you that brought me from this habit, brought me out of it, and blessed me. Thank them. I mean, if, if God never does another thing for any of us, he's done more than we deserve. We're born in this world destined to go to a burning hell. Now, that's something I got to ask God about when I get there. A burning hell. Because we think of something burning, we think of fire and light. But it's dark. So that's one of the questions. I said, God, how do you do this? You create fire with no light. Now, that's a God, ain't it? He is marvelous. He is marvelous. I lost track of what I was saying. But anyway, still dealing with prayer. And I don't have it written down. You scholars can go look it up. It's in the Bible. I think it's in the book of Deuteronomy where it talks about where, where, where God is speaking again. And he says, um, I'm sending forth my word 
paraphrasing again, I'm sending you my word and it will not return to me void. Void means empty. It will not return to me empty. Okay, God sent his word and he said it will not return to me empty. So, how does God's word return to him? Through his people. So when we pray, we pray back to God what he has sent us. God said, you said you will never leave me nor forsake me, but I feel lonely. You said you'll never put any more on me than I can bear. But I feel this thing that I'm going through right now is unbearable. So when God says it will not return to me empty, it means that God's going to do something. And by faith, we trust that. Standing on his promises. That's how his word gets back to him. So in other, other words, in order for his word to get back to him, we got to know his word. We got to know what he said. Throughout the whole Bible. Not just the things that we, you know, there's blessings that, that, that we like. And there's blessings that we don't like. Because we don't, we don't pray about them. One of the things in the Bible says, uh, be sure your sin will find you out. We don't talk too much about that promise. But it's in there. What's done in the dark will be brought to the light. That's in there too. So we have to be mindful of everything that God has said, as he has spoke to us. So that humble understanding that whatever we need, there is only one who can supply it. Understanding that whatever he commands us to do, he is the only one that can supply us the power to do it. Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses and you shall be my witnesses so that testimony that you have God gave that to you so you can share it with other people and understand that if you understand that salvation is the greatest gift you could ever receive you should understand that the greatest thing you can do for somebody else is to show them how they can get it too. 
if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seek my face. That's what, what, what Moses did in the Old Testament. When, when he, said, he said, Lord, let me see your face. And the Lord said, no man can see my face and live. But, but if you go up to this mountain and kind of hide yourself in the cleft of the rock, I'll pass by. And when, when I pass by, I'll let you turn around and see my hind parts. And that's what happened. And when Moses came down from the mountain, he was glowing. See, see, see church folk, Christians that have a glow about them. You know, are we sitting around here with our heads hanging down like we lost our last friend and somebody walks into church? Somebody told me about Jesus. I'm going to step in this church, find out what Jesus is all about, and they see us in here. They're going to turn around and walk out. They say, this is what Jesus is like? You know, I, I, I tell people, you know, when, when Chuck and the guys that get up here and sing, I was in a choir before, and I tell you, it's tough looking out at people when you're up here. Ain't nobody smiling. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it's sad. And I know we go through things, and everybody's not at the same spiritual level, but that's where God is trying to get us to be, conforming to the image of his son, understanding that this is not our home. We're just passing through on our way to glory. That's the promise. That's the promise. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked ways. The turning is repentance. It's a spiritual turning. Not a physical returning, returning because, see, in, in the physical turning, we can't do that. God has to take it away. So when we come to this salvation experience, God doesn't strip away all of our habits, all of our issues, all of our hang-ups. He has to teach us through the Holy Spirit that these things that we're doing are offensive to him. And he strips it away. Turning. In your mind, repentance, thinking different about the things we've been doing, that we are doing, because we realize that they don't line up with God's word. See, once we do that, then the Holy Spirit kicks in. And when we start to do those things after Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we don't feel the same about going out drinking every Friday, Saturday night, and all the other things that we do. He takes them away. He has the power. And he gives us the power. You shall receive power, confirmation that you are my child. Turn from their wicked ways, Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. 
Okay, who's the I? I is Jesus. Heaven is the Father. So there's heavenly conversation going on throughout Scripture. Psalms 110, 110th Psalm, verse 1, it says, And my Lord, this is David writing, and my Lord said, and the Lord said to my Lord, sit thee at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Jesus now sits at the right hand of God. This is a conversation between God the Father and Jesus Christ in the Old Testament that David revealed to us. The Lord said to my Lord, sit thee at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, seek my glory, seek my essence, seek everything about me. Turn, repent, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will have a conversation with my father. Do you know the accuser? The accuser accuses. God doesn't accuse nobody. God don't put people on a guilt trip. It's the enemy that puts people on a guilt trip. Oh, you 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 did this last night. Why are you gonna go up and sit up in church playing like you saved and sanctified after what you said and to that person or did the other night? That's how the accuser attacks us. But Jesus said, I will hear from heaven. So when the accuser accuses us, Jesus, who is our advocate, he speaks to the Father on our behalf. No, they're covered by my blood. They're covered by my blood. That's why we have all these stories about the blood of Jesus covered by the blood because the blood of Jesus is what purifies us, makes us righteous, even though we're not righteous. So it's a righteousness that's laid to our account. It's a foreign righteousness that the Bible tells us. Not because of what we've done, but what Jesus did at Calvary. We are the righteousness of God. So when you understand who you are, it puts a smile on your face. It makes you happy. Your whole countenance changes. Forgive their sin. I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin. This is, this is uh, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the sin that we commit after salvation. 
because the sin that we commit after salvation doesn't sever our relationship with God. And I'll say it, once saved, always saved. If eternal life could be lost, it was never eternal in the first place. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not talking about our relationship with God, but talking about our fellowship with God. In other words, we hard-headed. God has showed us in his word what he wants us to do, how he wants us to obey, and we refuse. So we hard-headed. So he'll, okay, you don't want to do what I tell you to do? Go ahead. Go ahead and do what you want to do. See how far that gets you. Paraphrasing. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. We're in this transition period now. We need a healing. We need a, a pastor. We don't know who the pastor's going to be, but we know the one who's capable of sending the pastor that we need. That's why we pray every Sunday. That's why we pray, for God to just show up and show out. Show up and show out. So in this, in this story, Solomon has just dedicated the temple. And God has promised Solomon, number one, he sees and he hears. He sees our condition. He hears our dilemma as, my, as, as we pray. And then he goes on to say, I'll just go to that last verse. In 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. Isn't that what Jesus says? This is my house of prayer. Isn't that what he said about the church? As the money changed, he was talking to money. You, you, this is supposed to be my house of prayer and you turned it into a den of thieves house of prayer. Jesus has promised to meet us at this place. This is his house. That my name may, may be there forever. Who, whose name do we call when we come here every Sunday? We sing songs about Jesus. Jesus can fix it. Jesus is our Savior. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and what he did for each and every one of us at Calvary. He's our connection. Without Jesus, we have no relationship with the Father. Without Jesus, we have no power through the Holy Spirit. And then he says, then he says, my eyes and my heart 
will be there perpetually, perpetually, a way that never ends or changes. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So no matter what goes on at little old Calvary Baptist Church, God sees and he hears. And he said, to that, there is no ending. Let us pray. Most gracious and eternal Father, Lord God, we thank you for who you are and the role that you play in our lives. We are here only because of your son Jesus and what he did at Calvary. How he came from glory and dwelt among us. How he voluntarily went to the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world. Only way that any of us in the world stay out of your kingdom is because we refuse to believe. So Lord, help us that are saved be the witnesses that you've called us to be. Even now, help them to design their, their testimony that they will share with other people who need to be saved because that's what you called us to do, Lord. I thank you, Lord. If there's one here today that doesn't know you in their forgiveness of their sins, I ask that you touch their heart, motivate them to come forward and receive this free gift of salvation. Lord, it was free, but it's not cheap. Your son paid it all, and we thank you for that. Let these words that you've given me penetrate the ears of these your people so that we might know without a doubt that Jesus is our connection to you and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.